Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Well, last week we did the history of the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and our buddy Klaus Schwab. This week we're going to give you the history of how he has induced, indoctrinated, coerced, and assimilated global leaders from around the world. It's going to shock you. And then the rest of the story of our friends of humanity at the WEF. And you're going to understand why, up to a year or two ago, up to the COVID conjure, this was all a conspiracy theory. This didn't exist. There was no such thing as the Great Reset, the New World Order, the WEF, Klaus Schwab, you name it. And now you'll understand why suddenly it's first and foremost and in almost mainstream media. Of course, they take the tack that this is just wonderful for us. (laughs) I think we know a little bit better. You're going to be shocked at what I'm going to bring you, and you're going to understand a lot more about what's going on. And then we're going to have a, another huge rat-a-tat-tat. I think this is the third one in a row, because the news keeps coming like a fire hose. Oh, and it's just, it's all head-scratching. It's all head-scratching. Some of it is jaw-dropping, and some of it you just want to crawl in your hole, cover yourself with your blankie, and go, what the hell? And we're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about, oh yes, Balloon Gate although I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. And just a snippet, just a small mention of the State of the Union address by President Cadaver because it was everything we expected it to be, which was nothing. And we're going to talk about some COVID revelations that just continue to keep coming. I mean, it's a cascade. It's a waterfall of COVID statistics, COVID studies, Pfizer admissions, big pharma corruption, along with the government, etc. And we're going to talk a little bit about military stuff because it's, to put it mildly, rather concerning, particularly with our enemies stirring around the globe and more. It's a lot. So I'll tell you what, let's get started. Let's start off with our founder's quote, as we always do. And it's so apropos with what I'm going to disclose to you today about the, quote, global leaders of the WEF and where they have been installed. Quote, tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. That's Thomas Paine writing in The American Crisis more than 235 years ago. So, rant story. Oh yes, the rant story. Well, you know, so we have tremendous snowpack out here in the mountains of Wyoming, which is great. But that snow is going to melt uh, one of these days, probably no day soon with what's going on with the weather. But come May, particularly May seems to be the month, come May, all that snow is going to melt. And invariably, we're going to have some type of weather event, a rainstorm, a wet snowfall, something that kind of coincides with the snow melt gathering full momentum. The last time that happened was about six years ago, and the rather small creek, or one of them, that flow through the ranch here near the ranch house, oh, it's no more than 30 feet wide. And in normal summer flows, you know, maybe it averages six inches to a foot deep. Of course, there's deeper pools and riffles, etc. 
Well, that little creek was 400 yards wide, and I'm not kidding you, 12 feet deep. There's a railroad car. Oh, it was put in the 1950s or so that leads to the ranch house across the creek from the main road about a mile out. And that railroad car is at least 16 feet above the creek, the bottom of that railroad trestle, that railroad car, which forms the bridge. And in this last event, which was a relatively good snowpack, nothing like we have this year, coupled with immediately warm weather, coupled with rain, that creek was over that bridge. It was amazing. I mean, fortunately, the house is kind of on an elevated site, so it wasn't affected, but it was close. Uh, some of our some of our outbuildings in the barnyard and the loafing shed area were affected, and it was a complete mess. There's still literally 50-foot trees three feet around that are on top of rocks that bends in the creek downstream from the house from that flood. These trees have to weigh three, four, five tons, and they are, they are perched on rocks that are now 15 to 20 feet above the relatively normal creek surface. That'll give you an idea of the force of the water. It's an amazing thing. Well, look, we're looking ahead. We're thinking to ourselves, the odds are that we're going to have another event. The chances are we're going to have another big flood event. And by the way, that last flood, six years ago, whenever, uh, that came in a matter of hours. I mean, literally at, oh, 10 o'clock at night, the creek was relatively normal, a little roiled from the melt. But <laughs> three hours later, the water was over the bridge. That's how quickly it came. And that can happen in steep gradient country. So we are already planning ahead for what we're going to do when and if this event occurs several months from now. And the moral of the story is, when history tells you there's an event, when your experience tells you that there's an event in the future that could happen or could likely happen, it behooves us all to make plans in advance. Reactions in the moment are worth only a fraction of what an advanced plan is. Let's talk about the WEF and the global leaders. Oh, yes. So this is 2006, a guy by the name of Nicholas Davis. And at that time, he was the head of Society and Innovation World Economic Forum. And he had a TEDx talk. Do you know what the title was, folks? I quote, creating impact as an undercover entrepreneur, unquote. That was July 2015. That was the TEDx. Let's start with the organization of the WEF. Last week, we went over the history. The World Economic Forum is also called by its founder, our buddy Mr. Klaus, the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation. You're going to see here, as I talk to you, where this ESG, where all this stuff is coming from. It's chaired by Klaus Schwab, along with his wife. It's guided by a board of trustees. There's then an executive committee. And the board of trustees, the executive committee, and what's called the managing board, which is chaired by the forum's president, Borge Bredende. They kind of act as the executive body of the World Economic Forum, the executive branch, if you will. The managing board, also comprised of business and community leaders, international organizations, governmental members, academia. Oh, I'm going to bring you back to that academia thing. They're responsible for, quote, ensuring that activities to fulfill the mission of the forum and acting as its representative to outside parties, unquote. In 2004, our buddy Schwab founded the Forum for Young Global Leaders, quote, a multi-stakeholder community of young leaders 30 to 40 years old who share a commitment to shaping the global future, 
unquote. In 2011, the WEF founded the Global Shapers Community, quote, a global network of local hubs in cities around the world to bring together young people, 20 to 30 years old, who are exceptional in their potential achievements and drive to make a contribution to their communities. And along the way, the WEF has established several global leaders programs. And by the way, it's P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-E, not programs. You know, kind of like, oh, the programs back there in Nazi Germany. And when was Klaus born? Oh, that's right. Nazi Germany, 1938, along with our buddy Soros a few years before. One of these programs, the Global Leadership Fellows, it, it was a multi-year deal that combined intensive on-the-job experience, oh yes, think about Trudeau in Canada, an innovative learning curriculum, quote, personalized coaching and mentoring, and access to, quote, an extensive network of alumni. And by the way, they actively recruit for these programs starting in about 2011. Anybody who looks promising, hmm, you mean like Barack Obama, Trudeau, Macron, Merkel, baby, the British Prime Ministers, oh yes. Let me read to you part of their recruiting literature. During the fellowship program, you will foster your strengths and address areas of development. You will prepare for leadership in both public and private sectors, and to work across all spheres of global society, business, government, civil society, and academia. Oh, academia. You will learn through peers, projects, passion, and play, all within an immensely diverse community of individuals united in their drive and commitment to improve the state of the world, unquote. Remember, folks, state of the world is a subjective analysis. By the way, I have three or four links posted under the audio bar in Family Safety under and under Globalism uh, about this week's show. And those links have links within them, which will actually show you who the current 3,800, that's right, 3,800 global leaders are that have all been trained, indoctrinated, brainwashed, whatever, by the World Economic Forum. You will absolutely gasp, but you will recognize a lot of names, both in business, folks, and in government, right here at home and around the world. By the way, there's another level of the WEF called the Full Members, and they're also called the Strategic Partners. And you know what? They include the 100 largest corporations in the world, together with their owners and managers, who are referred to as the Davos men. I'm going to use Klaus Schwab's own words, quote, We penetrate the global cabinets of countries with our WEF young global leaders, unquote. Quote, Training programs have been operating for over three decades, resulting in the placement, distribution, and rapid advancement of many thousands of WEF-trained operatives throughout the world. Unquote. And the last quote for you. These operatives have been strategically inserted into key positions in various governments and influential positions in essential industries such as media, finance, and technology. Unquote. There's an institute called the Malone Institute. It was originally founded by the mRNA researcher, Dr. Robert Malone. You've heard me talk about him. The guy's terrific. And they've published a list of the approximate 3,800 graduates. Once again, this is on the website. I really, really suggest you read these articles, click on some of those links, and acquaint yourself with who the generals are of the army, even though it's the minority army, that is arrayed against you, your freedom, and your security. 
What the Malone Institute has discovered, not only who these people are and where they are, but that Klaus's statement, quote, penetrate the global cabinets of countries, unquote, includes key business sectors, banking and finance. Think about cryptocurrency, you know, government cryptocurrency folks. Health and biotechnology. Think about Pfizer and the vaccines. Think about lockdowns and mandates. Academia. You don't have to think too hard to know what's going on there. Media. Think about all the media conglomerates who, in the case of mainstream media, are basically controlled by six companies, all of whom are eager participants in the World Economic Forum. Culture. Sports. Politics. And government. Think tanks, telecommunications, real estate, financial investment holding companies, and a whole variety of NGOs, right? The non-governmental organizations. Think about the southern border. Think about the anti-fossil fuel movement. Think about eco-terrorism, energy, aerospace, and the military. Oh, there it is, the military. Hmm, can you say balloon gate? And last but not least, food and agriculture. And we've talked about some of the big names, right, who are, who are graduates of this global leaders schools or school. Bill Gates, Angela Merkel, Justin Trudeau, Emmanuel Macron, Mark Zuckerberg, and the list goes on and on and on. You know, Barry Obama. And of course, Cadaver's too old to be going to school there. But as I told you last week, he said that he holds their principles close to his heart and in high esteem. And he's, quote, devoted to them, unquote. Let me sum this up for you. The WEF has successfully infiltrated the majority of governments on the planet Earth, the majority of Fortune 100, 500, and 1,000 companies on the planet Earth, and the influencers in media and entertainment on the planet Earth. And that is why, because they believe their infiltration to now be successful and not subject to replacement, not subject to overturning. That is why the clandestine movements of the WEF up to a few years ago, the mainstream media saying this was all a conspiracy theory, that's why suddenly it's no longer a conspiracy theory. You know where the words Great Reset come from in the last two years? Klaus Schwab himself. They are in your face. They are out in the open. They are confident in their control of key aspects of industry, finance, health, you name it, and governments. In a way, that's scary that they have that much confidence, they have that much penetration. In another way, it's not so scary. It's good because now they're out of the closet. Now we can identify the enemy. And you can't fight an enemy if you can't identify it. And now for the rest of the story on all this. The WEF, through its various levels of management and planners, and through its integration with and capturing of key leaders in industry, communications, finance, and governments is almost solely responsible, understand what I'm telling you, solely responsible for the globally harmonized planning, development, and implementation of the lockdowns, the mandates, the authoritarian vaccine campaigns, the suppression of early treatment protocols, the global targeting of dissenting physicians, and scientists, the censorship, propaganda, information, can can you spell PSYOPs, remember my PSYOP shows, and thought control programs, which we have all been subject to since late 2019. And if you boil all this down and you follow the money, 
keeping into account the basic human nature, which is to love power and to lord over others. This organizational structure is seeking to control and manage the world to advance their own economic and political interests through, I'll let Klaus speak for himself, the Great Reset. And they do that by creating, through all these tentacles of the global young leaders, etc., social and economic disruption, and then exploiting and exacerbating that disruption, which they've artificially and intentionally crafted, to accomplish their ends. I'm going to suggest some reading material for you if you want to dive down this rabbit hole, and you know what? You'll find it horribly fascinating. COVID-19, The Great Reset, The Great Narrative for a Better Future, both of those authored by Klaus Schwab himself. And How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, authored by none other than vaccine-happy Bill Gates. There's links in these articles. There's a detailed kind of interactive summary of their policy positions and the interrelationships of those policies, which is called the transformation map. I suggest you look at it. And if you think that this little phrase that I often use, you will own nothing and you will be happy, if you think that's just made up, click the links under Global Future Councils in these articles and read it for yourself. Next week, we're going to talk about what we can do to combat the enemy that is now in the open. And obviously, in my opinion, overly confident. And we're going to talk about how these 3,800 global leaders have infiltrated into various agencies and sectors. We'll take some agencies here in the United States where a young global leader, you know, Obama, etc., or his stand-in, his foil, cadaver, where they appoint the head of an agency. Let's take Mayorkas at DHS. And under him, he appoints people who think like he does. And under them, they appoint people who think like they do. And you can see how this web of corruption, how this web of anti-freedom activity has spread and permeated in a corruptive, cancerous, and abrasive way throughout our governmental systems. And then we're going to talk about what we can do to reverse that. That's next week. But now, let's go to rat-a-tat-tat because we got a pile to cover. Well, with this pile of rat-a-tat-tat, where do we begin? First of all, remember, every article I'm bringing here, virtually every article, with videos where applicable and where available, is on the website. Okay, I'm giving you the, the tip of the iceberg. The articles, the details, the videos, all of which you should listen to if you have any interest in any of these incredible news bits I'm bringing you on the website. They're under rat-a-tat-tat, they are under family safety, they are under treason, fraud, corruption, or they're on the COVID page on the rightsideradio.com. I will steer you to those I really think you need to listen to. How about the Emmys? Did anybody waste their time watching the Emmys? Well, the whole thing was like based on demons and Satan worship. In fact, they began with a demonic performance by a demon lover, Sam Smith. Oh, and besides all that, do you know who sponsored it? Oh, yes. Pfizer. Our buddies at Pfizer. You know, part of the hellscape of the WEF, the PSYOPs. <sighs> yeah. We're going to be talking about Pfizer a number of times in this rat-a-tat-tat because 
The walls are closing in, folks, and they need to. Let's shift down to Oklahoma. It seems that hundreds of folks supporting trans rights and chanting trans lives matter invaded the Oklahoma Capitol, filled the rotunda, and wouldn't leave, instead stayed chanting and disrupted the Oklahoma State Legislature. Can you imagine that? Where was Liz Cheney to save Oklahoma from this assault on democracy? Over in Thailand, one of the many countries that was bullied by Pfizer and Moderna into taking the jabs and supposedly giving these companies immunity, (laughs) that's not going to work out too well. Sukarit Bhakti, really well-known professor, scientist, absolutely not a fan of mRNA whatsoever. He talked to the government. Guess what? Thailand is going to outlaw the jabs, and they're going to sever ties and declare the contract they have with Pfizer null and void. It seems that there's been lots of problems over there in Thailand, contrary to Pfizer's promises, and that includes the royal family. In fact, the king's daughters, and I can't pronounce her name, so excuse me, Princess Bajaraktia, or something close to that, was adversely affected and has a material adverse impact from the jab. That's really not a good thing. But Thailand is not alone. It looks like South Africa is going to sever ties with Pfizer, Moderna, and stop the jab. And as you probably know, there's a number of Scandinavian countries that have already said no jabs to anybody under 18. And in Florida, no jabs to folks between 18 and 49. And the list will be growing like a snowball, folks, because more and more is coming out, as you're going to hear in this rat-a-tat-tat, or as you can see on the COVID page, because I can't even touch all the articles. They're posted, but there's no time for me to talk about them here on a one-hour show. Oh, and over in the U.K., the health department has cited Pfizer, in particularly its chairman, Bula, you know, a member of the WEF Council. Oh, here they come again. You'll notice a lot of these rat-a-tat-tats kind of tie back to the WEF. It seems he went on the BBC, you know, the point of the spear in TIN, the truth in news, conspiracy, the PSYOPs conspiracy. I told you about it mid-January in that show. Yep, put together by the BBC. Well, he went on BBC and he said, oh, you know, uh, the UK needs to give all its kids six months to 11 years old the jab because it's really good. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, the UK health ministry has slapped him with three violations because they haven't approved the jabs. It doesn't look like they're going to approve the jabs for that age group. And Pfizer stepped in it once again. I'm going to be telling you in the course of this rat-a-tat-tat about yet another Project Veritas video. In this case, a Pfizer director admitting to harm to particularly women's reproductive health from the jabs. Oh, it just gets better and better. Of course, that will be posted prominently on the website so you can listen to Pfizer tell you about the harm they're doing to you yourself. And over there in Ukraine, which somehow Cadaver really like barely mentioned last night at his State of the Union address after $110 billion of our taxpayer dollars at the brink of World War III, Russia has now come out with a report about the biolabs in Ukraine. Oh, and we find out that Barry Obama visited them in 2005, etc., so knew all about them. And Russia has all the documents which tie them to DARPA, the U.S. military, and the World Economic Forum, the WEF. Imagine that. Over in Newsweek, a three-page article by a seven-year medical student and doctor saying that the medical community and scientists need to, quote, take responsibility for the deadly consequences of misinforming billions of people about COVID-19. And he goes on to say the same about the jab. Now, you know, 
this article is kind of amazing, but the fact that it's in Newsweek is really amazing. Remember, I told you about a month and a half ago where all these left-wingers were coming out saying, well, we ought to have an amnesty for all these people who thought they were doing the right thing with the lockdowns and the jabs and this and that. You know, kind of like, forgive me, for forgive them, Father, because they have sinned. I mean, I'm getting a little melodramatic here. But pretty much the same thought, shall we say. No, there's no forgiveness. Sorry, folks. You folks at Pfizer, the CDC, the FDA, Moderna, you name it. No, you need to pay trillions and you need to be prosecuted. Along those lines, guess what has happened after his retirement? Did you know that there's a paper that just came out? And the paper says that the Pfizer jabs, the Moderna jabs, you know, they shouldn't be and they probably will never be licensed they will never advance beyond emergency use drug authorization because they don't work and there's side effects and all sorts of other stuff that the WEF-controlled media has been telling us is a conspiracy theory. Now, here's the best part of the rest of the story of this little tidbit. Do you know who the authors of that paper were? Three scientists from the NIH. That's right. And one of them was Dr. Fauci speaking to us out of retirement. Oh, how wonderful. Folks, you can believe your government when they tell you something. Speaking of which, I'm going to give the State of the Union address about a 10-second mention because that's all it's worth. But, but, in it, Joe Biden touts 12 million new jobs that he created. But it gets better because in his boast of 12 million jobs, he included 3 million jobs. Oh, 517,000 jobs last month. That's right, the month of January. Unfortunately, and by the way, that was parroted, as you would expect, anybody can spell PSYOPs here, by CNBC, which called it stunningly strong. Oh my God, there's no recession. Everybody go out and spend. Everything is good. Unfortunately, these are the adjusted job numbers, and they're adjusted by Biden's economic lackeys because the real job numbers, and I'll quote from Bloomberg, for the establishment survey, the government's updated seasonal factors may have impacted the headlines payroll figure. They're trying to say nicely, a bunch of folks were lying. On an unadjusted basis, payrolls fell, fell, folks, by two and a half million jobs in January. I want you to think about that. Two and a half million jobs lost in one month. That approaches the lockdown levels. Biden, by the way, in that same press conference, which was pretty much repeated in his State of the Union, quote-unquote, speech, mumbles is better. His answer was an emphatic no when he was asked in that press conference if he took any accountability for the price rises under his presidency. Quote, it was already there when I got there, man. Unquote. Once again, you can believe your government, folks. And listen, if you read the WEF articles and you have your ear to the track of news and tidbits that come to you throughout the week just in passing, there's an article by the guy by the name of Mazzucato about climate lockdowns as a response to a climate emergency. Hmm. And that article was published by a website, Project Syndicate, that receives funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Oh, and other influential organizations that vigorously support or supported the COVID-19 lockdowns and are members of the WEF. Gee, it's amazing how all this stuff is suddenly kind of snowballing, huh? And the, the article was endorsed by the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, which is a 
quote, CEO-led organization that represents 200 of the world's largest corporations. Do you remember my historical story or my story about the WEF earlier in this program? Who runs the WEF day-to-day stuff and collaborates with the government moles at WEO? Oh, that's right, the 100 largest corporations in the world. Can anybody say BlackRock and Vanguard? More about them in Ratatat 2, in Ratatat also, if we have time. Mazzucato, by the way, is one of the many climate policymakers who want to harness kind of the extraordinary technocratic authoritarian powers, you know, digital ID, vaccine passport, lockdowns that were used during COVID-19 lockdowns, and he wants to use them to fight climate change. He published another paper in Nature Sustainability and cited, quote, the window of opportunity provided by the COVID-19 crisis. COVID vaccine passports could be succeeded by personal carbon passports, unquote. Oh, the WEF, those little devils, they're devilishly at work if they're not dancing on the stage at the Emmys. Once again, next week, we're going to talk about how to combat this stuff to make sure that legislation, agency rulemaking, international treaty, city ordinances do not put you in the position of being a serf of the WEF and the elite. Along those lines, Wyoming, and I'm using them as an example now, Wyoming, my home state here, they are fighting and squabbling down there in the legislature about a health mandate prohibition. In other words, no more mandates, no more emergency powers in that regard. They need to expand it, in my opinion, to basically no emergency powers other than a few that are strictly enumerated, and that includes climate emergency lockdowns, etc., etc., etc. That bill, by the way, is being advanced by a representative from Casper, Jeanette Ward. Good for you, Jeanette, and everybody supporting you. And you folks in Wyoming listening to me on KGAB, Big 650 AM, write your state senators and write your representatives and tell them to pass that bill. And remember, you're a month into the legislative session. There's only a month remaining. That bill in its first reading was barely knocked down by the House 31 to 29. Get on the phone. And those of you in other states around the union, if you don't have protections in place at the state level, get them there. Contact your legislatures. Along those same lines, you think this is a one-off, Mazzuto's article and the WEF proclamations, etc.? The Biden administration, I told you they were working on a transportation plan, folks, a carbon-based transportation plan. They just unveiled their, quote, blueprint for transportation decarbonization. And they're promoting remote work and virtual interactions, can you spell lockdowns, that keep people from leaving their homes, which could defeat climate change. Quote, remote work and virtual interactions can provide a viable alternative to daily commute requirements for some people, as the COVID-19 pandemic demonstrated, unquote. And their document says, quote, climate strategies must also help communities fulfill their equity and environmental justice responsibilities. Because overburdened and historically underserved communities continue to bear the economic and health burdens of higher emissions, noise, and worsened air quality. Blah, 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 blah. Folks, they're telling you what they're going to do. Are you going to listen? Are you going to stand up? Are you going to say no? Get off the couch. Pick up the phone. Call your legislature. Oh, and this economy is doing so well, according to Cadaver and his minions of liars, that U.S. credit card debt has jumped 18.5% from this time last year to $930 billion. Billion dollars. I guess everybody's doing so well they don't need to use their credit cards. This is from TransUnion, 
by the way, which goes on to say inflation is making people put everyday expenses on their credit cards or turn to subprime and personal loans, unquote. The average American, according to TransUnion, now has a credit card balance of $5,805, paying an average of 20% interest. Actually, that's the low average. And defaults on credit cards have now risen to 2.26% from 1.48% this time last year. A total of 518.4 million credit cards are now in American hands and they're getting used. By the way, if you are one of those folks who has a 5805 of the average credit card balance, you only pay the minimum, you're going to pay an extra $8,213 in interest over 17 years before your balance is paid off. And where is that money going? Let's see. Oh, that's right, to all those big companies. You know, the companies that are in the WEF management circle. Ha, huh, imagine that. Must be a coincidence. Things are heating up down there in Arizona. More fraud has been discovered, if you can believe it. I mean, they're, they're up to about a quarter of a million ballots now. And more importantly, they have found out who the attorney is behind the fraud. It just so happens it's the same attorney that represents the Mexican cartels right across the Arizona border. I'm going to have more on this story for you next week because it is really eye-opening. And speaking of election fraud, as you know, the U.S. Constitution prohibits non-citizens from voting in federal elections. Unfortunately, the founding document doesn't mention the word local elections. I guess the founders thought we would have more common sense than we do. So in 2021, Democrats in the Vermont legislature, they approved allowing non-citizens to vote in Montpelier, the state capital, and Winooski, another town. Phil Scott, the Republican governor, vetoed the measures, but the legislature overrode him. On January 20th, that's like two weeks ago, folks, the Vermont Supreme Court upheld a lower court's verdict and dismissed the challenge. In other words, non-citizens can vote in those two towns. And Jack McCullough, a raging progressive, the Montpelier City Council president, issued a statement as reported by the Associated Press. Oh, yes, that bastion of fake news, that the city was gratified by the Supreme Court's decision and that the city welcomes participation by all members of the city. And getting non-citizens registered to vote is an important step now so that they can, quote, fully participate in our democratic institutions, unquote. By the way, Vermont is not alone. There's several towns in Maryland that have done the same. There's several cities like San Francisco in California that are trying to do the same. New York City is one that allows non-citizens to vote when they're not shipping them off to Washington, D.C. or off to the Canadian border as they are now after they receive them from Texas, from Florida, and from Arizona. And then there's a whole bunch of gun stuff going on. After this major Supreme Court decision this past summer, there is an avalanche of court cases at the local, state, county, you name it, levels that are just burying those morons who want to control your guns. The Fifth Circuit, U.S. Court of Appeals, they just heard a case that involves a federal law that affects the gun rights of many Americans. And they ruled that it was unconstitutional to ban Americans accused of domestic violence from possessing firearms, even if they're subjected to restraining orders. Another court struck down, a federal court, struck down a ban that several states had against marijuana users having firearms. Not addicts now, just marijuana users having firearms. I want you to think for a moment, folks, because you can kind of see how all this stuff is part of a plan, how it's all interrelated. So... A state like Colorado, let's say, they push you to legalize marijuana. 
And then on the other hand, they say, if you smoke marijuana, you can't have a gun, so hand them in. Do you kind of see how all this works? Listen, the Marxist Dems are down, but they're not out. So Diana DeGette and other Democrats in the House, which hopefully has no chance of passing, they just filed a reinstatement of a national ban on high-powered firearms. I'm not going to go into all the different firearms they want to ban because it's just about everything other than a bolt-action hunting rifle. DeGette had a news conference. These devices, she's talking about guns that hold, quote, 30, 60, or even 100 rounds, unquote, aren't designed for hunting. These devices are designed for war, unquote. Hmm, you know, it just might be that the government is not worried about your safety, it's worried about its safety. Think about the fence that was thrown up all around the Capitol, once again, before the State of the Union speech. By a government and by a Department of Homeland Securities headed by a guy, Mayorkas, who's instructed by a guy, Cadaver, who's instructed by a guy, Obama, who's instructed by a guy named Soros, they're the ones who just told you that fences and walls along the southern border don't work. I guess they only work if they're around the Capitol. Back to the COVID jabs. You wonder why I keep going back there, folks? You groan. Well, let me tell you. Health, and that's going to be related to climate change. I mean, I'm sending you warnings all across the board. The WEF is telling you, the government is telling you what they're going to do. Unless you get your state legislatures on the ball so that those laws don't apply to you in that state. Those emergencies, those edicts, those mandates. I think we can all agree that U.S. health agencies, along with world health agencies, have been obfuscating, hiding, and manipulating data. I mean, I don't care what side of the fence you're on, you know that to be true. Well, now there's a new survey that was out just in the last week or two. Peer-reviewed journal BMC Infectious Diseases. And they put the death toll from the COVID injections, not COVID, folks, at somewhere between 217,330 deaths and 332,608 deaths in 2021 alone. If you extrapolate that over the planet and the number of jabs given, that puts you at somewhere between 10 and 12 million people. I wonder why Pfizer, Moderna, and the rest of the lockdown jab crew are getting really nervous. The loony left, they'll really stop at nothing. And this goes back to the climate change mandates and emergencies which they're going to be throwing at us. You know, owning a pickup truck or an SUV is kind of an American thing. And I can tell you from the ranch that you couldn't operate it without a pickup truck. Well, the left is now saying that pickup trucks and SUVs are too dangerous and they make them scared. And also, they're examples of toxic masculinity. Did you know that, folks? What, what do you think about that, gals? Do you have your pronouns all set? However, I want you to think about something. Although every American has the right to go wherever they wish, driving any vehicle they wish, without fear of breaking a law, in other words, the right to circulate freely, the highways, folks, belong to the government. Think about all the games they could play. By the way, up in Canada, the lefties are jumping on the same pickup trucks bad bandwagon. There's a guy by the name of Matthew Bond, a high progressive mucky muck in Ottawa, who just said that large pickups are an example of petro-masculinity and that they are unnecessary and glorify violence, unquote. Ooh, better get in a safe place there, Matthew, or a safe highway. 
Oh, and the China balloon thing. Well, look, you're kind of familiar with that. We don't need to beat a dead drum. We all know what it was. It was a practice run for an EMP. It was a surveillance job. And Cadaver didn't want to shoot it down because he didn't want to lose his million-dollar, 10% to the big man monthly stipend. Okay? That's exactly what it was. But here is another story that's come out talking about the military. As you know, China's been hiring ex-U.S. military and NATO officers and pilots for years, okay? Wanting to see how all our stuff works. But now, there's Chinese companies linked directly to the CCP that are buying U.S. military schools, the schools that train our future officers. And gee, big surprise, the Biden administration isn't doing anything about it. Imagine that. This was uncovered, by the way, by Mike Waltz, Republican congressman from Florida, former Green Beret, a colonel in the reserves. So far, the CCP, through various fronts, has taken over two military academies, the Florida Preparatory Academy in Melbourne, Florida, which was bought by New Open USA, a subsidiary of New Open Group in 2017. The chairman of New Open Group is a member of a CCP-sponsored business association. The school is active in training U.S. Air Force JROTC upcoming, if they enlist, Air Force pilots and officers. The New York Military Academy, which, by the way, was founded in 1889, was bought by the Chinese-owned Research Center on Natural Conservation, Inc. in 2015. The students at that academy are all members of the Army JROTC. And for those of you not familiar, the JROTC program is for students in 9th to 12th grade and gives basic military training. And many, a very large percentage, go on to ROTC or service academies like West Point or Annapolis. You don't think China's trying to indoctrinate these kids on a sympathetic view of China's political, strategic, and military aims, do you? And now, although all the powers that be poo-pooed it, everybody's now saying, wow, there could be a gasoline shortage in the Northeast this summer, maybe around the country, because there's an EU ban on Russian oil imports, which most of you didn't know, that did not go into effect. Oh, yeah, there was lots of flitzam, flotsam, and discussion about it. You thought it was in effect, but it went into effect on February 5th, folks. And in conjunction with the shutdown of several refineries for problems or for maintenance, there's a huge reserve shortage in the United States. Usually, the United States gets surplus gasoline from Europe in the summertime. That, however, is probably not going to happen this year since Europe's not going to have enough gas to even keep its pumps pumping. And that's going to tie right in with summertime increased travel. Bloomberg has picked up on the story, too. And listen, progressives aren't just content to go after your pickup trucks and your guns and tell you what to do and lock you up and lock you down and give you mandates. Now they're pushing for national rent control. And they say 40% of rental households are spending more than 30% of their income on rent. Gee, I thought Cadaver just told us the economy is doing great. And there were 500,000 new jobs. Yeah, overstatement of 3 million for just the month of January. So uh, the progressives in Congress have teed up a renter's bill of rights that's going to protect the 44 million renter households in the United States. And it kind of borders on national rent control, which if you're a landlord, should alarm the hell out of you and spur you to call your state legislature so you're not subject to this nonsense. But we are out of time as always, although we covered a lot of rat-a-tat-tat. Next week, the history of the who. (laughs) You know, here they come, folks. More pandemic duff. And we're going to talk about what you can do to stop this craziness, at least in your city, state, and county. 
and you better get busy. Look in the mirror, repeat with your family, and repeat with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. And yes, we will, folks. You bet we will. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week. Let's talk about your family's safety. If you listen to this show, you know our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. There's been 70 physical attacks on grid stations and countless cyber attacks in the last year. Imagine a blackout lasting days, weeks, months. Look around your house. Water, refrigeration, heat, light would be poof. That's why having your own portable solar power and not relying on a government grid is critical. With a Patriot Power Sidekick from 4Patriots, you get a solar generator that's quick, easy, portable, on the go, or even inside. And though only the size of a lunchbox, it's powerful. It'll power your phones, your medical devices, even a mini fridge. A free solar panel, free shipping, and a practically unheard of 365-day satisfaction guarantee. You can get 10% off your purchase using the code RIGHTSIDE at checkout. Fourpatriots.com. Use the code RIGHTSIDE. Get 10% off. Protect you. Protect your family. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the right side.